Hello and welcome to the APW. We have the amazing Jamie Lenman in interview. We talk about all things the new album Devolver, producers, live process, writing process, Laney and that amazing Yamaha guitar. Uh, and yes, recording memories in the studio with Ruben. If you want more live sessions, exclusive interviews, rig rundowns and gear reviews, go to www.theaudioproductionworkshop.com where you can power up your producing elbow. Jamie, um, Devolver is your latest album. Yeah. It's out now. It is. When did you record it? Well, we recorded parts of it because um, I was sort of recording uh, just as things came up with space anyway. So we did a few bits last year. That's producer space. Producer space, yeah. We did a few bits last year. And then when we got the label secured, then we went off and we finished it off. So we had maybe half of it done um, in the middle of last year. And then summer this year we went and did the rest of the six. Mm. So, sort of in bits. And where did you record it? Well, the first lot we recorded up in uh, a studio called Sugarcane, which is actually the same studio that I recorded Very Fast, Very Dangerous oh, okay. with Ruben. Nice to go back there. But then that wasn't available for the second half that we did in the summer, so we went to Brighton Electric, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic place. I'd never been before. What's mm. going on in Brighton Electric? Sugarcane's sort of hidden away in an industrial estate in London. No one really goes there mm. apart from the engineer. It's just us on our own, which has its own kind of niceness. Brighton Electric is buzzing with people. People have music lessons. People rehearsing. It's yeah, great. Yeah. I turned out I knew everyone there anyway. I'm down in Brighton quite a lot, so it was great. Mm, cool. Hottest day of the year. How did you come across space? How did I come across space? Well, it was a, a variety of things. He, we sort of weaved in and out of my life, but I suppose the answer really to that is that I worked in a youth group a long, long, long time ago with a lady called Dominique. And she had been my friend around the Guildford area. And then she started running a venue called The Boiler Room. And they do great shows, so I would play there. And then she met Space and started going out with Space. And so we chatted, and he was in bands and whatnot. And we became buddies, uh, you know, independently of me and Dom, who were already chums, had done a lot of work together and stuff. She used to edit a magazine. I've always been working with Dom. But I didn't really click that space. I knew he was a producer, but he doesn't really talk himself up. Right, okay. So we would hang out and we would play each other records. And only quietly would he say, after a particularly great track, oh, I produced that one. And yeah. I'd go, oh, great. And then I'd sort of forget about it. And then when I was saying I wanted to make a new record, he said, well, why don't we give it a crack here and see what mm. we can get going. And I thought, oh. And I genuinely never considered working with him before. Yeah. So it was very um, organic. You know, we're friends first. And I was a bit concerned, you know, if you mix business and pleasure, if you work with your mates, if you were mates first, because I've become friends with everyone that I've worked with mm. and enemies with some of them too. But <laughs> if you're friends first, you don't want to sort of put a work gen- um, dimension to it for fear yeah. of losing your friendship. But I'm happy to say that's not the case. We're still good buddies. That's good. I really do like the production on this. Thanks. That's all down um, to him. Because obviously in the live setup, you're doing kind of split A, B stuff. Yeah. When you came to writing and putting down stuff, was it the same process or was it actually I'll do guitar parts separate and I'll do bass line separate? Or did you run the submarine? Oh, no, I didn't run the submarine in the record. I mean, when I'm making a record and when I'm writing... Actually, check out the rig rundown because we'll show you what the submarine is. <laughs> it's a tiny piece of kit makes all the difference. Yeah. No, I mean, I only decided that we were going to do it as a two-piece in the middle of making the records. Um, for the spring tour, uh, but when I'm writing, and even back when I was in the in the band as well, I always write with an unlimited canvas. Mm. So even though in Ruben I liked the challenge of it just being three people, when it came to writing and recording, 
we would just layer it up as thick as you like because we were always aware that live was a separate animal mm. and so as much as i like spreading that sound of the three piece live and getting the the biggest breadth we could out of it i'd never wanted to limit the recordings to three people mm. so on every record i've made i've always had guest musicians and mm -hmm. at least double track guitars if not six or seven tracks of mm. guitars and so even after i decided that I was going to be doing it two-piece live for the for the time being. I still made sure that the record was as full as possible. And then it's fun to translate that record back to the live scenario, if it's two-piece, three-piece, or four-piece, or whatever. Hmm. Which, again, I've done for all my records. Back in Ruben, you know, we had to think, well, let's put that string part into the guitar, or maybe we can move that horn part or piano part into vocals somehow. Hmm. I've always thought that was fun. I saw, who's that um, violinist? who looks like the chef with the hair. Oh, Nigel uh, Kennedy. Nigel Kennedy. I saw him do a show, and he was doing a, a jazz show. It was like a big band show, but he had a string quartet, and he said in the mic beforehand, he's a crazy genius, he said, look, this is an old jazz number, and it's for a horn orchestra, you know, trumpets mm. and trombones, but I've taken all the horn parts, and I've put them in the strings. Mm. And that blew my mind. I was like, wow. And then they played it, and it was brilliant, and it didn't lose anything. And I thought, that's so exciting mm. to transpose music. I'm not a very thorough technical musician, but it gives me great joy to twist music around and see what different shapes it can come out with. So, yeah, that's fun for me. Obviously, the writing for this was different. This was like you, kind of. Were you laying stuff down at home first, ideas at home, and then bringing it in? Really terrible demos, yeah. And I would play them <laughs> to space. Because like the Ruben setup was all about you guys kind of playing or picking up things in rehearsals well no or... but towards the end of Ruben certainly on the third album it, it was a very similar setup to what we have now I got my home recording sort of up mm. to scratch well, it's not, not a very good scratch even but you, I would send them demos towards the end of uh, Ruben that's why there's no studio demos when we did that re-release there's really no before we were going to a studio and we would demo it all yeah, in one yeah, go yeah. that happened for the first two records by the third time we had all my home demos to, to learn from so towards the end, it was me recording at home, and that stayed the case through Muscle Memory and now Devolver. What's um, what's been your favourite way of recording? What's been kind of like the most comfortable? It does. I get a bit, little bit sad when I'm separated from the drummer, uh, but you know, <laughs> I understand how that has to happen. Laying down the tracks, we had a really good time when we did Devolver. It was great fun, and we got everything down very fast. The, the beauty of working with someone like Daniel, who's my been my drummer for about ten years now, or mm. close to that is he learns so fast and he learns... This is not to put Guy down in any way. Guy have a, has a tendency to overthink, similar to how, how I do. And sometimes when you're tracking, he would just overload and um, you can hit a bit of a wall. And that used to happen to me too. Daniel, he just does... You tell him, you give him the info and he translates it into like awesome beats and that is it. So it's a, a lot less tense recording... Uh, tracking with Daniel. I mean, I've really enjoyed today. I would love to do a record all live. And I suggested it to the group back in the day and they were like, don't think so, Jimmy. And I was like, come I, on. I think you could do it. I think we could do it. In that case, if I knew that was going to be the project, I would mm. then write to that. Yeah. And I wouldn't bring in string players and pianos and it would be a very stripped back album. I'd love to. And maybe some of the earlier Ruben stuff, something like Very Fast, Very Dangerous, mm -hmm has not very many extra elements. Got a bit of strings, we could have done without them, you know. And to do that all the way through with just three guys would have been very exciting. You couldn't have done Devolver with just three guys or two guys because mm. there's so many layers. And I knew it was going to be a thick, textural piece. Yeah. But at some point, it would be great fun to do a record in a day like the Beatles, you know. Like the Beatles. <laughs>
I've got such uh, high expectations, yeah. <laughs> Can you remember all the studios you have been in over the years and the producers you've worked with? Roughly, yeah. Certainly for the records, we've done an awful lot of demos. I've been in lots of places, yeah. So the first, first stuff on... Well, on the first Ruben record, well, that was in a studio that is called Stakeout Studios, and Stakeout Studios now is a very different affair because the engineer who owns it has um, built it up and it's in big premises. I haven't been there. But back in the day, Stakeout Studios was a breeze block cabin at the end of a, a farmyard. Wow, okay. And Can you remember what console he was kind of using back then? Can I <laughs> no, I can't remember what guitar I was playing today. No, it's been it, the same one you've been using. Yeah, yeah, I know. But even then, I forget. I got a few. It was a big old bugger, and it was there was it wasn't very digital. We had a computer, but he was still it was still faders like that. And we'd saved up to buy the microphones to kit out his studio, and we just did it in this breeze block. And there was like a a hideous interrogation cell that served as the toilet that was right. bad news <laughs> and we just I just ate toast for a whole month through there right. the only the only equipment we had for food making was a toaster it was pretty raw wow yeah it wasn't comfy it's a miracle it sounds as good as it does that record that's yeah. where I think where the angst comes from <laughs> probably I was pretty angsty yeah yeah the thing that always amazed me when I was talking to you about this earlier as we were loading in was the fact that Laney Amp and that Yamaha guitar is still about. Still going. Still going. Mm. And I'm utterly amazed by that, especially how much it's been sweated on and gigged. Yeah. And, uh... Well, you know what they say, with no gaffer, there'd be no gig. Yeah, absolutely. That's the same with those instruments. Um, is there, Have you got any kind of uh, backup at Yamaha, like to go, it's, it's now a bit in the dust? Or, no, uh, I mean, I did, have, I did have a relationship with Yamaha back in the day, I had an awful lot of endorsements when we were a regularly touring band and the Yamaha guys were really nice and I kept saying, could you please, I need another one of these. And they would say, can do! And they'd come up with this ridiculous, like, they gave me a guitar that had like a snakeskin effect and light up frets and I was like, no thanks, take a good look at this, photos and technical drawings if you want, I want this. And they could not find me another guitar. And I yeah. have looked on the, the eBay and the internet and everything and Gumtree and whatever, I can't find the same, the exact same guitar. They do. What was, what was the model? Well, it back in the day it was called an RGX. Nowadays the RGX is something very different. Yeah. And the closest thing to what I've got is a Pacifica, but a Pacifica isn't quite. No. It's a nice guitar, but it's um, it's not quite the same. And it's the same with that Laney amp. I had a Laney endorsement, mm. and I would say, please, I need a duplicate. I don't want a big old stack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want anything expensive because it's a cheap practice amp, 300 quid new. And they couldn't find one. And they gave me a nice combo that is, you know, it would do and it sounds similar enough. But it's just not In, in a strange way, I think that's why no one else has your tone. And it works. Like well, I was saying, saying this to you, if you've ever played on other people's tracks with that kit, I'll mm. always know... I mean, luckily, we've worked together for quite a while now over the years. but um, With a big gap, but yeah. 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 <laughs> it's good to see you back, friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I totally know your tone. and Wow, I never uh, thought I'd have a guitar tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it definitely sticks out. Oh, good. In a, in a very good way, I think. Yeah. You know? um, so have you got um, other gigs lined up? Yeah, well, we've got Len oh, Mania this yes. weekend, which um, you can't come to because it's sold out or in the past, depending on when you're watching this. <laughs> And then we've got a February tour, which uh, is very exciting, when we're going to roll out a lot more of the album tracks, and we're going to take a couple of good bands along, and that's going all over. And then I'm going to Europe with my good friends Arcane Roots supporting them. 
which will be the first time I've been in Europe since uh, back with Billy Talent. We did a big tour of Germany and we went to Italy and we went to um, Switzerland. But at the first time un- under my own steam as a solo oh, act, okay. my first um, gigs in mainland Europe as a solo act, which is incredibly exciting. And particularly the German press have really picked up on Devolver and some of the French press. Mm. Lots of reviews, lots of positive things they're saying there on the mainland. So I'm really champing at the bit to get out there. Oh, good, man. Well, mm. uh, more power to your elbow, and uh, I hope to have you back through soon. Yeah, it's going to be great. For all the latest episodes, gear reviews, rig rundowns, and exclusive interviews, go to patreon.com forward slash the APW.